Out in the middle of nowhere, creepy things can happen and can kind of just go under the rug, since there's no one there to witness them. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. In today's video, we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true middle-of-nowhere horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Now, as always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true middle-of-nowhere horror stories. Me and my family always go on an exceptionally long summer trip every year around the major cities of America. It is always a blast, but I do not think I will ever forget this experience. We were around the halfway point of our vacation, traveling on back roads of Texas. Instead of stopping somewhere to rest, my dad decided to continue through the night. I dozed off sometime around 11pm. I woke up later when I felt the car come to a stop. I opened my eyes to see my dad with a random dude under the hood of an old truck. I could see as our car's headlights were facing the truck. The thing that caught my eye was on both sides of the road in these ditches were three people trying to hide in them with different types of sharp weapons. I almost crapped my pants, but instead, I jumped out of the car and screamed, Hey dad, the gun fell out of the holder. Both my dad and the man looked at me confused. I told my dad to come over and I whispered the situation. His eyes lit up before we were both startled by the strange man. My car is still broken. My dad answered by stating that he was going to move our car closer. Me and my dad got in and zoomed out of there. We noticed in our back mirrors that a car was following us for quite some time, but it soon gave up. Me and my dad were wide awake for the rest of the drive. My mom was somehow asleep the entire time, and we did not want to worry her so we kept it to ourselves. We had a great time for the rest of the trip, and me and my dad were a lot closer after that incident. Now, I need to mention after the trip, I read an article online that a couple were kidnapped and are still missing around the area that this incident happened. I don't know if the crimes were connected, but nevertheless, we were lucky. So this story is going to be parted from my perspective as well as my brother's perspective, and it's going to be a long one. This is a story that happened last night while I was at my grandma's house. So before this all took place, I went to get McDonald's in the nearest city to us, which is about a 20 minute drive. After that, I decided to go down to my grandma's house instead of going straight home. For context, she lives down a long farm road to which you also must turn down a half-mile dirt driveway just to get to her house. I arrived there at around 9pm, and I went in and visited my grandmother and my brother who also lives with her. Ever since my grandfather passed away, he has lived there so that she will not have to live down there all alone. My brother and I took my grandma's dog to pee around 10.30pm. We just sat outside listening to music and talking for a while. At that point, I was starting to get cold because this is East Texas after all, and I'm not yet used to it. 
Getting down into the low 40s at night is definitely something to take some time getting acquainted to. So, I was about ready to head inside. I noticed something moving in the corner of my eye. It was around the large metal shop that sits a few hundred yards away from the house. I did not really take too much notice though, because it is not uncommon for deer or raccoons to come snooping around in the yard. And plus, my grandma's dog was not barking, so I thought that it might have just been my eyes playing tricks on me. We finally headed back inside, and my grandma went to sleep around 11 p.m. So me and my brother stayed up and played Among Us and watched YouTube for a while. At around 2.30 a.m., I was exhausted and ready to go home, so I asked my brother to walk with me to the door and make sure that I get out to my car, because I am always a very paranoid person especially at night. He joked around and said that he would turn the light off on me and lock the door. I freaked out and begged him to walk me out to the car, to which he finally humored me. I got in my car and immediately locked the doors and I saw the porch light turn off as I was driving back down the dirt road. I got home within 10 minutes and fixed myself some ice cream before I sat down and enjoyed some creepy horror stories on YouTube. Another 15 or so minutes passed and I got a FaceTime call from my brother, to which I picked up almost immediately. I could tell that he was freaked out about something, but he was not saying anything right away. I asked him what was wrong. The following is my best attempt to paraphrase what my brother told me. He said that after I left, he went back outside to listen to some music and sit on the porch. He had the music on his phone up pretty loud which would usually make any noises of the animals coming from the nearby woods not very noticeable. After just a few minutes of listening to music, he said that he heard what he thought to be sounds of metal banging around, so he quickly paused the music and listened to see if he could hear the sound again. He stood up and looked towards the shop and the boat shed, which are adjacent to each other and are a few hundred yards away from where he was standing. He saw a faint light shining around near the boat shed, but then it quickly flicked off. At this point, he was freaking out, so he quietly crept back inside the house and locked the door behind him. He said that he ran to his room in the back of the house. I guess he was not trying to wake up our grandma, and he grabbed his revolver. He quickly ran back outside and saw the glow of the flashlight move around and then quickly shut off as soon as he noticed it. He walked out to the edge of the concrete carport and stared out towards the boat shed with his revolver down at his side. The only thing illuminating the boat shed was the faint light coming from the house. He said that he tried to muster up the most intimidating voice he could manage and said, Who the hell is out there? To which there was no immediate reply except for a slight bumping sound which solidified the fact that someone was indeed there. Now keep in mind, this is in the middle of the country in a town with a population of just over 1,000 people and the nearest house is across the lake a couple of miles down. Also, it's pretty late at night. My grandma has had problems with people snooping around the property in the past, so this is not something any of us take very lightly. And for the life of me, I cannot tell you why my brother did not just call the police, but you also have to remember that there is literally one cop in our entire town, and it is 3am, and so it would take at least 30 minutes for the cops to even show up. So anyway, my brother again called for the person to show themselves and repeated his question, and asked the person to identify. He said that he practically crapped his pants when this tall, lanky figure slowly emerged from the boat shed with a flashlight in hand. 
Although my brother could not see any distinct features about the person, he could tell that it was an older man and that it was no one that we knew. It was especially not anyone that should be in our boat shed at 3am. At this point, he raised the revolver up and pointed it at the man and again shouted, Who are you? The man was still silent and began slowly walking towards him. My brother pulled back the hammer of the revolver and gave one last verbal warning to the man and said, I swear, I will blow your damn head off. Now, who are you and why are you here? The man quickly raised his hands and said, Whoa, 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 calm down, man, in a taunting voice as he continued walking towards my brother. My brother fired a single shot just above the man's head, which he finally took as his cue that my brother meant business. The man took off like a bat out of hell down the driveway, and my brother screamed, Next time I won't miss. My brother then quickly ran inside to wake up my grandma, who had somehow slept through the entire commotion. She did not seem worried enough to call the police, but of course after hearing this, all I could think about was what were the true intentions of that man. Was he just some meth head snooping around looking for something to steal, trying to get some drug money, or were his intentions much more sinister? Another question that haunts me about this whole situation is how many times this happened after my grandma and brother went to bed, and we just did not know. And was he watching us from the shadows all night? Was he watching me as I walked out to my car? What would have happened if my brother had turned the lights off and locked the door before I could get to my car? So I hope that stranger who tried to rob us or do God knows what at 3 o'clock in the morning learned their lesson. Because my parents had separated before I was born, I spent my time growing up between each of their houses. Each summer, until I turned 19, I stayed with my dad in rural Missouri. He had grown up in the area himself and most of his family still lived there. Without much to do, like going to the movies and stuff, I would fill my days hanging out with my older cousins and getting into mischief. Many of our long summer days were filled with wandering the surrounding woods. On one of these journeys, we came across a big lake sitting quietly by itself out in the middle of nowhere. The water was crystal clear and filled with tons of monstrous fish. We asked the adults if they were aware of its existence, but none of them have ever heard of it. That was more than likely the reason why it had so many big fish. No one living in the area had fished it, and anyone who had in the past allowed its location to be lost. We would fish the pond three or four times, coming away with a stringer full of lunkers on each occasion. On the fifth occasion, we hoped to accumulate enough for a big family fish fry. The summer holiday was starting to wind down and we figured a fish fry would be a great way to cap it off. It was a warm Saturday morning when we headed out. We started about an hour before sun up because the walk-in took about an hour. Besides, the fish stopped biting by the hottest part of the day and we hoped to get back to my dad's house by early afternoon. The beautiful side of the pond came into view around dawn. It did not take long for us to get our first bites and for the next three hours, the fish came quickly, one after another. Our limit was caught by 10.45, and I was rearing to get going. We had a nearly 90-minute walk back with two five-gallon buckets packed to the top with fish, so I imagined another 30 would be added to that. To my displeasure, 
My cousin thought it would be refreshing to take a dip in the lake before we left. He tried to pressure me into joining him, but I did not know how to swim at the time. I just wanted to get back, but he was older than me, so he was in charge. I plopped my tail into a rock and waited while he was doing his thing. There was an old rope tied to a tree, probably from a hundred years ago, and he wanted to swing from it. It looked unsafe to me. However, my concerns were laughed off and he stripped down to his boxers, getting his clothes on the ground next to me, and climbed the tree to get onto that rope. He pushed off, swung out just a short distance before the rope snapped right above him. He made it out far enough to hit the deep water, but probably not as far as he intended. When he hit the water, his body made a dull thud sound. It didn't sound normal and it likely hurt. I was planning on laughing at him and saying I told you so. But as the seconds passed, he never resurfaced. The situation was quickly becoming scary. I looked around to see if he came up somewhere farther away, perhaps floating unconscious because of the hard contact with the water, but still I saw nothing. I was beginning to panic and waded out as far as I dare, looking into the water for him. Unfortunately, the water came cloudy with every step I took, and it was impossible to see. Soon, it was clear to me that he had drowned. How? I had no idea. Perhaps if I could have swum back then, I could have been able to help him. But it's too late now. I was helpless to do anything more than pack up and head home. On the entire walk back, the small nugget of hope lingered in the back of my mind that he had tricked me and would pop up at some point. This did not happen, however, and the dread I carried of telling my family grew with every step. I tried several times to find the words, but with each attempt, I, I would just break down and choke on my tears. Ultimately, I could only manage. Mark drowned. They got the point after that, and once I was able to pull myself together, I led my dad and uncle back to the pond. Mark's body was still nowhere to be found. With no other options, we went to the sheriff's office to report the drowning. When I realized where we were headed, I started freaking out. In my young mind, I thought I was going to get in trouble or blamed for my cousin's death. It took a few minutes, but they were able to convince me I was not in any trouble. Even after they had, I could not help but feel guilty every time I looked at my uncle. Regardless of what he claimed, I could not help but believe he blamed me. Even if it was just a small amount, I explained what happened to the sheriff and the search began the next morning. Just by chance, that was the day I was going back to my mom's. That Monday night, my mom sat me down to tell me a team of divers had found Mark's body earlier that day. When they discovered him, one of his feet was hung up on a sunken log, so they assumed that's why he never surfaced. I wish I could say that that made me feel better, but it did not. It did, however, serve as a catalyst to learn how to swim. The guilt of not being able to help my cousin stayed with me for a long time. I never wanted to be in that position of not being able to help another person ever again. So in a twisted kind of way, his death had a positive impact on my life. However... If I had the choice, I'd prefer he still be with us. This story takes place when I was around 15 years old or so. It was the beginning of summer and my family planned to take a two-hour road trip to visit my aunt and uncle for the weekend. This visit was especially exciting as my other aunts, uncles, and younger cousins were meeting us there. My aunt and uncle lived in what I would call a cliché haunted-looking house. 
It was two stories tall with an attic, white with chipped paint, a cornfield in the backyard, no neighbors in sight, and sat along a rocky road. Although this house would make the perfect setting for a horror film, I honestly never got any weird vibes. Flash forward to that evening, my parents, aunts, and uncles were going to make the 15-minute trip into town to grab some drinks at the local bar. My sisters, cousins, and I ended up lounging around the living room and watching movies. I'm a total night owl, surrounded by early birds, so I ended up being the last one to fall asleep. It was around midnight and I was not planning on sleeping anytime soon. I decided this would be a perfect time to call my boyfriend since I finally had some privacy. I was lying on the couch in the living room with my flip phone pressed hard to my ear, barely able to hear my boyfriend because of the poor reception. As I was lying there, on my phone, I heard a long, slow creak come from the hallway on the other side of the wall. I just assumed the adults were already home, and the creaking sound came from the kitchen, where the front door was. I quickly hung up the phone as I did not want my parents to ask who I was talking to this late. I laid there for a few seconds before realizing there was nobody there. I got up and walked around the corner. Fear took over my body as I saw that the door leading down to the dark basement was open. I was frozen in place for a second. I ran to the door, slammed it shut, and raced to the living room and jumped back onto the couch. Nobody ever goes into the basement. It is completely unfinished, with dirt floors and only holds a washer dryer and some miscellaneous junk. My cousins and sisters were all still asleep in my uncle's bedroom that is connected to the living room. The more I thought about it, the more I started to freak out. I decided to lay down in the bedroom with everyone else. The whole house was completely dark except for a little nightlight in the kitchen. I did not feel comfortable in that room because it did not have a real door. I think it was originally a dining room that they had turned into a bedroom. I was lying on my side, facing the swinging saloon doors that led into the kitchen. A few minutes went by and I saw a human-sized shadow move behind the swinging saloon doors. I'm not sure how I fell asleep that night, but somehow I did eventually. A couple of years later, not due to related events, my aunt and uncle moved out of that house. One weekend, while visiting their new place, I walked in on my aunt and my mom talking about the old house. I told her what happened that night and she said that strange things have happened to them as well. For example, she has heard footsteps upstairs in the middle of the day when she is home alone. I never really pegged her as someone who believed in the paranormal, so I was surprised to hear that she reached out to the original homeowners. They informed my aunt that the house is extremely old and has a lot of history. One of the things that I can remember her saying is that a young boy accidentally shot himself upstairs. Apparently some people have reported seeing a young boy looking out of a small window on the second floor. I know this is not a super spooky story, but I have never experienced anything like that before or since. For as long as I can remember, I have always believed in the paranormal but have always held a lot of skepticism. I absolutely loved that house and had such great memories out there, but ever since then, it gives me an eerie feeling. Every time I drive home from visiting my aunt and uncle, I have to pass by that house. They only moved a few miles down the road. This happened to me about two years ago now, but I think about it a lot. 
Even to this day, I get so scared when I think about it and what might have happened if my dad was not there. During this time, I was going to grad school in Texas and was visiting my family in Kansas City. I had just finished my visit and was driving back to Texas. I started my drive and about an hour in, I got a flat tire. I called my dad and he told me to call roadside assistance and he would be there with AAA. He got there and roadside assistance put my spare on and we went off to the nearest Walmart to get a new tire. The nearest Walmart was about 20 miles away. As we were in a rural part of Kansas, I was following my dad, driving about 55 miles per hour since I was on a spare. There were not a lot of cars on the highway, basically just me and my dad. My dad was a little bit ahead of me, so I don't think it was apparent I was following him. Somewhere along the drive, I noticed a dark colored SUV behind me. He was flashing his lights at me, swerving onto the shoulder and then back into his lane. He was accelerating so he was very close to my car and then would fall back a bit. From the time I noticed him, he did this for about 4 or 5 miles, which is a long time when you are in the moment. I was about to call my dad because I felt like this was incredibly strange. As I said, I was in a rural area and there were no cars around. If this guy were upset, I was driving so slowly, he could have just gotten into the left lane and passed me but he continued to flash his lights, tailgate me, and swerve onto the shoulder. At this point, my dad saw what was happening, took an exit, and parked on the shoulder. I followed. This exit was not one that we needed to take. It was a rural exit onto a gravel road, and I do not think it was used very frequently. Lo and behold, the guy followed me as well. I pulled behind my dad, who was already out of the car with his arms in the air, saying, What the hell? At this point, I think the guy finally realized that I was not truly alone. He slowed down, looked at both of us, hesitated for a second, and then he took a hard left onto the gravel road and took off. At this point, I thought about trying to get his license plate, but I was way too slow. The dust from the gravel road made it impossible to see his license plate anyway. I still kick myself for not looking at his license plate sooner. I know this may not be the scariest story that you've shared, but the situation really scared me. We called the police to report it, but there was not much they could do since we did not have a license plate number. However, I did learn that, if I'm ever in the situation again, to call Highway Patrol, not 911. When you're on the highway, you travel through so many jurisdictions that it's better just to call the Highway Patrol directly. A little background as it's been years since this encounter. I am a 28-year-old male, now residing in Georgia, but at the time of this encounter I was about 13 in South Mississippi. Many years ago, my parents had gotten divorced. When my parents split, my dad moved in with my grandmother along with my younger brother in Mississippi. My mom had moved across state lines to Alabama, so no more than 40 miles apart though. I decided to move in with my mom but visited my dad every weekend because they agreed upon joint custody. Now, where my dad and my grandmother lived, that road had a lot of relatives of ours living down the road. Now, far from the beginning of the road to the end is honestly about 15 or 20 miles, but our relatives lived starting with us at the beginning and the last relative lived about two miles deep on that same road. Pretty much, the first two miles of this road was all my family. 
so riding bikes or walking was quite common for us kids at the time. Also, there were not many worries because we were out in the middle of nowhere, so there was not many people to really encounter. My last relative of this two-mile stretch was by far my favorite to visit at this part in my life. My aunt and uncle had lived there along with my cousin who was only three years older than me. My cousin and I were extremely close. I mean so close. Every time I would visit my dad, I would go there, visit for about 30 minutes, and then walk or ride my bike back to my cousin's. I adored him and my aunt and uncle. We were big into Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and cool stuff like that. Anything that was popping in the early 2000s, we had a slice of it. Sorry for rambling, just painting the picture. So, I get to my dad Saturday morning. We hang out for about 30 minutes and decided to ring up my cousin. Mind you, it's summer transitioning to autumn, to which of course he is home. I get permission and start my trek, alone mind you. I cannot remember why I did not have my bike, but I remember it not being there. As I start walking, clouds get gray and it begins to drizzle and sprinkle. I'm not too worried about it because I'm halfway there already, and my clothes should not get soaked at that point. As I pass by my relative's home, before I get to my cousin's, there is a long curve that swings right. Once directly in the center of this curve, it's nothing but trees, dense brush on both sides of you with no houses in sight. Again, if center to your left, before the brush thickens, there is a small patch of grass about three to four feet high. I am walking, and once I get to this curve, as I get to the center of the curve, the rain gets a bit heavier. As the rain hits the pavement, I am tightening my shirt collar around my neck to help keep dry. As I am doing so, I start hear rustling sounds in the small patch of the grass next to me. Thinking it could just be a deer, I turn left and see it. It was big. Tall. Humanoid-like. It was some sort of creature. It had its back to me, walking oddly slowly into the woods. It was about seven foot tall and approximately 30 feet away from me. I froze and I just stared at it. It was completely engulfed with hair. Black hair and down its back on the left and right side had a thin white vertical line running down both sides. Now this might sound stupid, but it looked like a seven foot tall stand on two legs with no tail. As soon as it got to the wood line, I absolutely booked it. I remember running on the center yellow lines of the road to help me make my escape quicker, and the rain helped with that as well. As I escaped the curve and it straightened out, I could see my cousin's place, and I did not stop running until I reached the house. I tried to tell my cousin about it and my family, but everyone just wrote it off. I mean, I was only 13, had no proof, and phones nowadays did not really exist then. And if they did, we could definitely not afford it. So no one believed me. I never walked down that road again though. Now that I am older and moved out of state, about twice a year I go down and visit some family around that very road and every time I pass that curve, I look to see if I can see it again. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true middle of nowhere horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit yours at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. 
I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you guys enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it really helps the show grow over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us and help us grow our ever-expanding waters? Hit that subscribe button and be sure to turn on notifications because I upload videos almost every single day and you don't want to miss a single one. If you would like to support the swamp outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from face masks, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. If you guys aren't aware, you can download your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And it's absolutely free. I'd love to know your favorite story tonight in the comments down below. I'd probably say story number two is my favorite tonight. I've had something similar happen to me when I was living out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe on the next Middle of Nowhere episode, I'll share some personal stories of mine from living out in the middle of nowhere Tennessee as a teenager. If you guys would like to see that, definitely let me know in the comments down below. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I've got a ton of cool stories coming to you guys this month, so I hope you guys stick around and check them out. I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.